can already tell this is going to be a fun <laughs> subject to talk about. So, um, uh, welcome to One Church. My name's Chris, and I'm one of the pastors here. I want to say this before we jump in to uh, conflict, and before we jump into talking about uh, continuing our series called Summer Eleven on how to fight fair, rules for the ring. Um, before we get into that, I just want to say what we were doing a year ago today. A year ago today, um, we had our first preview service. Um, actually, it wasn't, isn't, wasn't in this theater. It was in the theater next door because we thought, you know, there would be too many people. We, might, we didn't know how many people we were going to have, to be quite honest with you. And um, this seats about 300, and the theater next door seats uh, 170. So we said, we better start in theater two. And uh, we did the first preview service, and we had 170 people. So we were really tight and really packed, and uh, it was really fun. And um, uh, we're coming up on our one-year anniversary of when we launched in September. And uh, because of that, we're praying about and uh, thinking about doing some things that I wanted to go ahead and give you some ideas of what we're thinking and praying about because we want your input. Um, consistently, uh, over the past uh, two or three months, we've been hitting 400. A couple weeks ago, we were at 450. Uh, on Sunday morning, and um, uh, we went into this uh, thing. Um, we wanted to do three things, and we wanted to do those three things well. We wanted to do a worship. Uh, we wanted to have worship that was fun and God-honoring and um, that was engaging. We wanted to uh, do our children's ministry and do it well. I have three kids. and How many of y'all have kids? How many of y'all don't want to have any more kids? I'm with you. All right. <clears throat> But we wanted to, we wanted to provide a, a an environment for our children's that was just second to none, and we wanted to do small groups and wanted to do that well. And uh, here in the next uh, couple of months, all three of those things, uh, we're praying about uh, making some changes. Uh, small groups will be launching and, and uh, gearing back up in August, but because on especially in the second service, I can. You know, I can preach to y'all really well because y'all do what I ask. You come to 9 o'clock and thank you. But second service, we're just really packed, especially in our children's ministry. Uh, any of y'all ever, do y'all work toddlers? Any of y'all? Yeah. I, I didn't preach a couple of weeks ago so that I could work toddlers. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And um, there was like 22 kids in that room. And uh, so we have, to, we have to split up those rooms. There's just too many kids. And to be quite honest with you, it would be very difficult to do that here in the theater. So we're praying about the possibility of going to Northeast High School, which is kind of across the street, and uh, praying about that option. So um, we're looking at um, uh, possibly making that move September 7th, but to be honest with you, we're, we're still praying about it, and we would like to get your feedback. So if you have a bulletin, uh, email one of the people on the back of that bulletin, me, Danny, Mike, Josh, any of those folks, um, and just tell us what you think. Uh, we would really appreciate it. So. All righty, let's dig right in. Conflict. How many of y'all had conflict this week? <laughs> All right, a few honest people. Um, it's amazing because working on this series, I've been going through this series and trying to live this series for months now. And the one consistent thing it's brought in our marital relationship is conflict. So um, it's kind of humorous that we're talking about this today because I, I need reminders of this. And uh, I want to go into this saying this. The problem that we have is when we think conflict is bad in marriage. Because most of us, if you asked, hey, is conflict good? Nobody likes conflict. 
I got a friend of mine who's on staff here, and he says, you know, I'm not a confronted person. I don't like conflict. He runs from it. <clears throat> so um, many of us, when we think conflict is specifically bad, we're going to be setting ourselves up for a fall because all marriages have conflict. In fact, I do a lot of counseling as a pastor, and one of the big red flags I hear is when somebody says, we have no conflict. I want to go, right. Denial is not just a river in Egypt. So um, the thing is, all marriages should have some conflict because not all conflict is bad. In fact, God's Word says this in Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen: As iron sharpens iron... So one person or a friend sharpens a friend. Now, when iron hits iron, what do you get? Friction. Sparks. You get all of this, and there's conflict. And you know what? When two broken people, the Bible calls them sinners, live together in marriage, you're going to have conflict. And not all conflict is bad. Um, hear me, and this is so important. Health isn't measured Health isn't measured by a lack of problems, but how we deal with them. Health of a marriage is not measured in lack of problems, but how we deal with them. Um, if you have no conflict in your relationship, that's not good, and let me tell you the reason why. As we've been talking about, we said this the very first week in our series, that um, one of the options for the big me in marriage is to say, you know what, I just give up. You win. Uh, I'm the conquered one, and you've conquered. And I'm just going to do whatever it takes for you to make you happy. And we talked about that brings a lot of stress in a marriage because it's easy for you to be you, but it's very difficult for you to try to be your spouse. So if there is no conflict, you've waved the white flag, and you say, your big me wins. And the thing we've talked about the past three weeks, it's not about having the big me in marriage, but it's about having the big Jesus in our marriage. It's about having a covenant, not a contract. But what do we do? What do we do to be able to make sure that when we do have conflict, because not all conflict is bad, that when we do have conflict, you're closer together after the conflict than before. Because God uses conflict to deepen your relationship with your spouse. And hear me, God even uses conflict to deepen your relationship with Him. So how do you make sure that after the conflict that you move towards intimacy and not towards isolation? How can you make sure that you're closer to one another afterwards than before? And really, it really all depends upon how you fight. And that's the reason we're going to talk about rules for the ring. Rules for the ring. Ding, ding. All right. I'm trying to preach here. All right. Um, l l let's talk about this. You're saying, what, what's your issue right now, Colleen? What's going on here? I'm having problems because I need new clothes. Because I have two kids, but yet he, he won't let me. But he can go and spend, what, $70 on a new video game that he plays for three days, beats, and then just sh shoves it on a shelf for the rest of his life? 
Amen. I got to be honest with you. I, I don't see anything wrong with that. Amen. I'm joking. <laughs> okay, I'm just joking. Um, and what's your problem, Kevin? She buys and buys and buys. She's got a whole slew of clothes. I'm out there working hard. I'm busting my hump every day. Every day out there busting my hump. I need to play games, you know. I believe you. And I do feel your pain. I want you to know that. And I feel your pain about new clothes because Don Ho died. That's the reason I have this shirt. Um, But I'm hearing in y'all's conflict a lot of always and never and all the time that she's always buying clothes. Always. Yes, sir. Okay, well, here's the thing. Um, Maybe this is going to help y'all out, Um, maybe even more than me. Um, maybe not. Uh, if y'all just pop a squat, all right, and let's sit down and let's talk about some rules for fighting fairly because y'all are hitting a lot below the belt. And when you hit below the belt, it hurts. So uh, let me give you some rules to kind of work these arguments out. Can we do that? <laughs> all righty then. All right. The first rule is allow your husband to buy video games. I'm just joking. Um, the first rule for fighting fair is this. Listen twice as much as you speak. Listen twice as much as you speak. My mama always told me two things. My mama always told me, never shop around, okay? And two, and two, that God has given us two ears and one mouth, and we should what? Listen twice as much as you speak. Let me tell you, this is how the Bible says it. James 1.19 says this. My dear brothers and sisters, be quick to listen. Everybody say quick. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Everybody say slow. Good. Slow to speak and slow. Everybody say slow. Slow to get angry. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Angry. That means when your spouse is talking, that you need to listen to one another. You see, one of the problems that we have is when um, the person, our spouse, is talking, and what are we doing? We're thinking about what we're going to say so that we can win the argument. But hear me. If your goal is to win the argument, then it's a lose-lose situation. The goal, and the goal of all conflict is to understand one another. And really, that leads us to our big idea. Our big idea should, is this. I should understand. I should understand before I can expect to be understood. You're in a covenant, not a competition. So if you think, i got to win, it's a competition, and both of you are going to lose. Make it your goal not to win an argument, but to understand your spouse. Uh, And that means when they're talking, you're not thinking about what you're going to come back with. That's difficult. I have a difficulty with that. Because when when Kim speaks, I'm already thinking of what I'm going to be saying next. And um, (laughs) I need to stop. I need to listen and understand and seek to understand her before uh, she can understand me. Uh, let me tell you guys, it's like this. Many times, and let's give an example. Your, uh, your wife comes home uh, from work, and she says, um, you know what, I, I, we had this project going on today, and we've been working on it for months now, and because one person left out this one little detail, it all fell through. 
Now, let me tell you what most guys will want to do at this point. Well, baby, let me tell you, if you'll have just done this, and what do we try to do? Fix it. By the way, that loud voice was from my wife. We try to fix the problem. Guys, our wives do not want us to fix the problem. What do they want? They want us to listen. And they want us to understand them. And when we say, well, maybe you should have done this, when we try to fix it, we're not listening anymore. We're talking. And that's very difficult for a preacher because I talk a lot. So I have to listen twice as much as I speak. Um, there's a, a great a study uh, put out by um, a little book called for Men Only uh, by Jeff and Shanti Feldhan. And we went through this book uh, uh, about six or eight months ago. But this is this poll says this, that even if a man provided a great solution to the problem, just 5% of women said that they would actually solve their problem. That means this, guys. If you were Albert Einstein and you fixed her problem, she would still have a problem. That means that 95% of all women don't want you to fix it. They don't want to hear the answer. They want you to listen. They want to be understood. She's not sharing this so that you can fix the issue. She's smart. Um, she's probably smarter than you. <clears throat> and um, she doesn't need your input. But what she wants is your listening ear. Just in case you... Um, I, and I like Ecclesiastes. It says this, Ecclesiastes chapter 3... Guys, this is for us. There is a time for everything, a time to be silent, and a time to speak. Just in case you missed the point, uh, Proverbs 10:19 says this. Don't talk so much. <laughs> you keep putting your foot in your mouth. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. That's pretty plain. Thanks, Solomon. All right? So the first rule of fighting fair is to listen twice as much as you speak. The second rule is this. When conflict comes around, choose your battleground. Choose your battleground. <clears throat> this has to do with when, and it also has to do with where. First, let's talk about the where. If, you're, if you have conflict, don't fight in public. Don't fight in front of your kids. Um... Some of you were thinking, well, if I didn't fight in front of my kids, we'd never be around the kids. All right? Well, okay. Um, but I'm telling you, don't fight in front of your kids and don't fight in public. Um, a good friend of ours brought this home to us uh, years ago. Um, when they confronted Kim and I, we're very passionate people. We're high D personalities. Um, and when you put two high Ds together, um, you get a lot of times passion. So passionate. Anyway. <clears throat> but also, we're passionate when we have opinions. And a lot of times, we'll share our opinions in public, and sometimes they clash. And we're okay, but a lot of times other people, when they hear that, they don't think we're okay. So a friend of mine once said, you need to be careful, Chris. You need to be careful, Kim. And, uh, and that was wise counsel. Because even though we didn't think we were having conflict, other people perceived us as having conflict. So um, I would encourage you, the where part... You need to do that in private. Um, uh, if you have problems, 
uh, fighting in, in private and not in front of the kids. Let's uh, talking about the timing of it, the when. And this is found in Ephesians chapter 4. If you have the, uh, um, your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to be in Ephesians for the rest of the morning. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. It's a little kind of a hard book to find. It's a letter in the New Testament, and um, uh, it's kind of in the middle of the New Testament, so it's a, it's a little bit difficult. So uh, Ephesians 4.25 says this. <clears throat> so put away all falsehood and tell your neighbor the truth because we belong to each other. The reason why you're to put away all falsehood and tell the truth is because you're a part of one another. Another translation says it like this, that you are members of one body. And it's specifically talking about one body as the church. But if you're a husband and a wife, you physically are. You're one body. You're one. Uh, verse 26, And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't sin by letting anger control of you. <clears throat> This is going to be amazing to some of you, I know, but did you know being angry is necessarily not a sin? Getting angry is not a sin. In fact, Jesus got angry. Jesus got so angry. Um, in, in John chapter 1, he forms a whip because he, and he starts beating out the money changers out of the temple because they were cheating people and robbing people. And because God said, I want my church to be, I want my God's house to be a house of prayer. And they're over here just, it's all about making money. Um, he got angry. And yet, in the book of Hebrews, it says he had no sin. That's pretty amazing because many of us, when we think, well, oh, you're getting angry, you're wrong. Being angry is not necessarily wrong. What's wrong is this. When anger controls you. When anger controls you. If you ever lose your cool and you feel like you're getting out of control with your anger, then that is when your anger becomes a sin. Ask yourself, am I in control? Have you ever spanked your children, not because they needed discipline, because they did something, and yes, they needed discipline, but you just did it and you flew off? That's out of control, and that's wrong. So we want to make sure to ask the question, am I in control? Really, even, even a better question, is God in control? Is God still in control of my emotions? And let me say this, anger, if anger leads you to hit, then your anger is wrong. Guys, nowhere in the Bible does it say that we should ever, ever hit our spouses. Nowhere. And ladies, the same goes for you. When we say the rules for the ring, we're talking about verbal sparring, not knuckle punches. So um, if you need uh, to punch people, um, go see, come see one of our staff. All right, um, come see me, um, but don't don't ever take it out on your wife. That's not my notes. When I stray from my notes, I get in trouble. So I'll move on. So don't let anger control you. Look at verse the end of verse 26. It says this: Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For and here's the result: if if you go to bed angry, here's what's going to happen. Your anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil. When are you supposed to take care of conflict? Immediately. Don't let a day go by that you're not dealing with it. 
And that may mean that you have a long, sleepless night and that you're talking a lot with your spouse. That's okay. Now, have I always abided by this of Kim and I? No, we haven't. But the point of it is, if we choose not to, and if you choose not to, you allow the devil a foothold in your marriage. Now, let me talk about that little word, foothold. That word, foothold, literally means a place where ships are wrecked. It's very picturesque. The little word is a place where cross currents produced a bar or a reef. It's the same word found in Acts chapter 27, verse 41. Read this. This is so cool. But the ship struck a reef where two seas met. That's that same word right there. The ship struck a reef where two seas met. The front part of the ship got stuck and could not move, while the back part was being broken to pieces by the violence of the waves. That verse describes many of your marriages because you're stuck. You're, the, the front part's stuck. The back part is getting totally demolished by violence and by, by conflict because you've given the devil a foothold. You've not taken care of conflicts uh, in a timely manner, and you've let too much water go over the bridge. And when you think about your relationship, there's no passion, there's no feeling there because the only feeling you have towards them is not good feelings because you have all of this built-up arguments that's never been resolved, never been resolved. Let's look at the third point for fighting fair. Y'all listening? All right. Third point for fighting fair. Uh, first point was this. You want to listen twice as much as you speak. You want to, number two, choose your battlegrounds. But number three, you always want to attack the problem, not the person. Don't attack the person. Attack the problem. Avoid character assassination. Don't result to name-calling. You've got to be careful with this. Uh, Ephesians 4.29 says it like this. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say. Everybody say the word everything. What does that mean, everything that you say? It means everything. It's deep, isn't it? Everything that you say. That means everything you say to your spouse when you're having conflict. Everything that you say when you talk behind somebody's back. Everything that you say. Let everything that you say be good and helpful. So if you don't have good, something good or helpful to say, what are you supposed to do? Keep your mouth shut. That's what this verse says. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. So that your words will be an encouragement. Even in conflict, you need to be encouraging your spouse by the type of words that you pick. And let me tell you what you don't want to do. You always do this. You always buy video games. You, he never allows me to get close. Those words are broad generalizations and they make people put up their defenses and their dues. You don't want to use the always and the never because it's not always true. And it's never always true. It's extreme. Another thing you don't ever want to do is threaten the D word. My wife and I, we talked a long time ago that divorce would never ever be brought up in our relationship. Never. And it hasn't. Now, we've talked about murder a couple of times. But divorce is not an option. Hear me. If divorce is an option for you, you will take it. 
because things will get rough. I can guarantee it. Maybe you don't speak about divorce, but maybe you threaten it by your actions. I remember counseling a couple, again, not here, but in other states, um, that every time uh, he would get mad, he would take his wedding ring off and he would throw it against the wall. What does that communicate? I'm done. You never, ever want to do actions because your actions speak louder than the words. Actions that say, you know what, I'm finished with the relationship. Um, you never want to do anything that undermines the relationship. And, you know, uh, as I was growing up, uh, and I have a friend here that grew up with me, Wally, one of the things that we always used to do is we'd say, you know what, if, you, if you're not saying something good, hey, 429. Um, you remember that? 429. I would encourage you as a spouse and maybe even as a church, when you hear somebody not speaking encouraging words, quote Ephesians 429. 429. I'm writing you up on a 429. All right? And it makes it sound like cool police talk. All right? um, but uh, 429, remember that, 429. Um, what happens when you disobey 429? Well, 4.30 happens. Look at it. Ephesians 4.30 says, Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to others and all who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. When you don't speak with encouraging words, you grieve, you bring sorrow to God. You bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit. Verse 31, here's the point. So... Get rid of all. You know what all means? That's right. Man, y'all are so good. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all type of malicious behavior. You know, I want to say this before we get to our last point. Anytime you confront, I want you to do the sandwich method. Now, I'm not saying you to go eat a sandwich. Do the sandwich method. I want you to... If you have a problem with your spouse, baby, I want to let you know I'm so thankful. You, and you do something positive. You say something positive. I want to let you know um, I'm, I'm so thankful for uh, the, way you, uh, the meal that you cooked last night. It was so awesome. Thank you very much. Then you insert the negative. But this is what I'm struggling with. All right? And then you end with a positive. So positive, negative, positive. When you do that, people are more likely to put down the defensive. A last rule for fighting fair. First rule was what? That's right. Listen. That's right. A second rule was choose your battlegrounds. A third was don't attack the person, attack the problem. Fourth is this. You always what? Forgive. Why do you forgive? Great question. Ephesians 4.32. Instead, be kind to one another. Be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Here's the reason. Just as God through Christ has forgiven you. It's amazing this past year at one church, we've talked a lot about forgiveness, haven't we? We did a whole series on it. You remember what it means to forgive? It means to tell somebody you make the decision that they don't owe you anymore. That's what it means to forgive. And we tell our spouse, you know what? That, that stuff that you did last week, I'm not bringing it up anymore. Why? Because I forgive you. The record is white clean. In fact, speaking of records, for, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 says this, that love keeps no record of wrongs. 
Love keeps no record of wrongs. So if you're keeping a tally sheet, what that tells me, number one, is that you're not, you've not forgiven because you forgive and you make the decision to leave it alone. But secondly, you're not forgiven. You're not truly loving the way God is calling you to love. Because the way God calls us to love, it's a love with no strings attached. It's a love that will always love. Not because she's lovable or he's lovable, but because our God has first loved us. Um, I want to encourage you today, um, as, uh, as you leave, we have homework that you're going to be receiving. And we would ask you that you would uh, discuss the homework uh, as a spouse. If your spouse is not here, take it. If you want to email it to them, you can do that as well. Um, but we want you to talk about this as a couple. And we want your uh, relationships for, for your, you and your spouse that you, for, for you to work on. So um, let me say this as well, that um, you may have conflict with your spouse. Not all conflict is bad because God uses conflicts to deepen the relationship. You may have conflict with your God today um, because of some things that you've done in your past. Let me encourage you to, by saying this, that if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you feel so far from Him because your sin has gotten in the way, Jesus loves you so much. And the whole reason He came was so that forgiveness can take place and so that you can enter into a relationship with Him. If you would like to have some more information and to talk about that, I'm going to be here afterwards as well as some of our pastors, and we'd love to be able to talk with you about how to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, I love you guys. Uh, continue to pray for us as a church as we make a lot of these uh, big decisions, and we really would like to have your input uh, on uh, some of these decisions we have. Love you. Let's pray. Dear Father, you are beautiful and you are awesome. And just as we sang earlier, uh, you are mighty to save. Thank you so much for that, God. Lord, that we serve a God who's powerful. Um, we serve a God who loves us, even when we're unlovable. We love you so much, Jesus Christ. And thank you so much that you loved with a love that, well, yes, was words, but even more importantly, you put actions behind it. That God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish, but have life everlasting, life to the full. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray.